0: Well, good morning. Good to see you all this morning. If you would, open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord and seek his blessing. Our Father, how thankful we are to be able to call the God of heaven and earth Our Father, it's only because of your mercy and grace and love and pity for sinners, but Father, we're thankful. And how we beg this morning that you would send your spirit upon us and that you would enable us to worship you this morning in spirit and in truth. Father, if you don't meet with us, we've met here in vain. And we beg of you that you would Fulfill your promise that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you'd be in their midst. Father, I pray you'd you'd be with us this morning, and Father, that you would enable us to, to hear the gospel as it's preached and to be able to see with the eye of faith our Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on him, not just hear about him, but Father, enable us to believe on him. Enable us to rest in him. Draw us ever nearer to Christ our Savior, and how we thank you for him. How we thank you for a Savior who would so willingly sacrifice himself for the wretched, vile sin of his people. Father, we're so thankful. Thankful for his blood that cleanses us from all of our sin. Thankful for his obedience that makes us righteous in your sight. Father, we're thankful thankful for this opportunity that you've given us to worship. and what we pray for ourselves, father, we pray for your people, wherever they are meeting together this morning, those that we know of and those that we don't. father, be be with your people. cause your word to run well this morning to bring much glory to your name. now all these things we ask in that name which is above every name, in the name of Christ our savior. amen. Now, I've titled the lesson this morning, Put on the Whole Armor of God. And our text begins in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, why does Paul tell us here to stand strong in the Lord? Well, it's because of everything he said before this, particularly in in chapter 5. You know, Paul talked to husbands and wives. Well, we can't be wives that that submit to our husbands and we can't be husbands who love our wives self-sacrificially unless the Lord enables us to do it. He's got to give us the strength to do that. We can't be obedient children and we can't be good parents unless the Lord gives us the strength to do it. We can't be good employees or good bosses unless the Lord gives us the strength to do it. You know, none of these things come naturally to our sinful nature. The only way we can do them is to stand strong in the Lord's might, not in ours, but in his. Now, how exactly do we stand strong in the Lord, in the power of his might? Paul tells us to do How do we do that? Well, it's very simple. It's by not trying to do things ourselves. It's by not trying to use our own power and our own might and our own wisdom and our own ideas to get things done. We stand strong in the Lord. By depending on him. That's how we stand strong in the Lord. The best way for a believer to be strong is by acknowledging our weakness. That's the best way for us to be strong because when we acknowledge our weakness, what will we automatically do? Depend on the Lord for everything. That's how we be strong. And a believer is stronger the weaker he knows himself to be. And the weaker we know ourselves to be, the more we'll depend on the Lord, so the stronger we'll stand. Now Paul goes on, verse 11, there's a good reason for us to to stand strong in the Lord. We're in a war. We're in a war. He says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, In high places. But Paul tells believers to put on this armor because we're in a battle. We're in in the middle of a war. The world around us is not the friend of God. It's not the friend of God's grace. It's not a friend of the gospel of God's grace. There's a war without. But there's a war within too. You're the biggest enemy that a believer has to contend with is ourself, our flesh, our nature of flesh, that sin nature that's in us. And we need to be armed against it. We need to be armed against that old man because he's constantly on the attack. You know, the false religion of this world is so dangerous to us because it appeals to the flesh. It appeals to everything that old man loves. So we need to take on spiritual armor To protect ourselves from what he might do, and it's spiritual armor. It's not a it's not a a outward thing. It's spiritual armor because we're fighting a spiritual enemy. You know, Satan and his minions. They deal in lies, in deceit, and pride, and idolatry, and lust, and covetousness, and self righteousness. All those things that, that that the flesh loves, and they do it in religion. They do it in religion. You know, we're we're fighting a a spiritual, a a religious war. The war that Paul is talking about here, it's not being fought in bars, in brothels, in dens of iniquity. It's being fought in pulpits. It's being fought in buildings called, called churches. It's being fought in the hearts of people for the souls of people. It's serious, serious business. Paul tells us we're fighting spiritual wickedness in high places. Now that's not just evil spirits, you know, flying around in the in the atmosphere. It's not even wicked and corrupt political leaders that uh, in positions of power. It's spiritual wickedness in high places, places of respect. It's in the pulpits, it's in it's in positions of religious authority. That's where Satan has always done battle against God. So Paul tells us, put this armor on. Put it on. Don't just sit and passively listen to the preacher and then go on your merry way. You know, I've done my religious thing for, for this week. I, I've heard what he said. I agree with him and go on my merry way. Paul says, put these things on. Put them on, take them to yourself. Put them on by seeking Christ. Put them on by hearing him preached as much as possible, by seeking him, seeking to know him, seeking him. And make use of the whole armor of God so so no part of you is exposed to the enemy. Paul calls it the whole armor because it's complete. It's perfect and it protects every part of the believer. So Paul says in verse 13, wherefore, because we're in this war, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now put on this armor. It'll enable you to stand in the wicked day. I thought about that, the wicked day. There's a, what day is that talking about? There's a lot of days. <laughs> There's a lot of, of wicked, evil days, isn't it? How about the, the day of trial? That's a wicked, evil day. Tough day for, for, for the flesh. It'll enable us to stand in every trial. It, it'll enable us to, to resist evil by standing in Christ. And I tell you, this is how I go back to what I said a minute ago. The, the way we'll stand strong is by remaining dependent on Christ. And label us to stand in the evil day it, the day of, of trial how about this evil religious day in which we live this is an evil day how are you not going to be deceived by the false religion all around us how, how, how you not I know you're more than likely not going to get pulled off into this group more likely will not get pulled off into into what we call open sin and all the but how are you not going to get deceived by the by the wicked religion of the day it's by having this armor protect you how about the day of judgment when the lord tells many depart from me i never knew you how will you stand in that day only by being clothed, covered with this armor and paul describes it beginning in verse 14 he says stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and having your loins girt with the truth. Paul's talking about the first thing a Roman soldier would put on was a, was a long robe. You know, if they're going to, going to go to battle, the first thing they'd do is take that long robe up, keep it, you know, away from their feet and they held it up with a belt so that their feet, you know, wouldn't get tangled up and, and they could move around. That's the girdle that Paul's talking about. It's like it's a belt that holds everything together. He says, now wrap yourself tightly in this. Wrap yourself tightly in the truth of Christ, in the truth of the gospel. I mean, wrap yourself in it so tight that no error can get in there. And this belt, this girdle, is mentioned first. The, The belt, the girdle of truth is mentioned first because the truth... Is the foundation of everything, isn't it? This, this garment that Paul is talking about is, is the foundation of the whole, all rest of the of the armor. Well, this truth is the foundation of everything we believe. Everything that protects us all begins with the truth of God. The gospel tells the truth. It tells the truth about God, who God is. It tells the truth about men. And more specifically, it tells the truth about me. You know, I've told you this so many times. I've been a Calvinist my whole life. I mean, I've been a Calvinist my whole life. I always, always believed in the total depravity of man. Now, to me, that meant I believe you all are totally depraved. (laughs) I believed everybody else was. Here's what the gospel tells me, the truth about me. Not about you, about me, that I'm totally depraved. That I'm lost in sin. That I deserve for God to send me to hell. That's the truth of the gospel. What it says about me. The gospel tells the truth about Christ the Savior. It tells the truth about salvation in Christ. And if I'm wrapped up in that truth, then I'm going to be kept dependent on Christ, aren't I? If I'm wrapped up in that truth, I'm not going to be deceived by the lies and and twisting of scripture that Satan uses to deceive people. Just wrap yourself up so tightly in this truth. You can't trip over error that's been put in front of you. And you know, we talk about the the truth. Well, I'm not just talking about true statements of the gospel. Different things we say that, that are true statements. You can, you can stand up here and, and make a whole string of true statements and not preach the truth and not preach the gospel. The truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the truth. Now wrap yourselves in him. Wrap yourselves in him. Not just true facts, not just true doctrine. Wrap yourselves in Christ, in his person, in his word, and you'll be protected from error. If you're looking to Christ... If you're depending on Christ, you'll be protected from error. Then Paul talks about the breastplate of righteousness. The Roman soldiers breastplate it, covered him from the base of the neck to down probably his mid-thigh or something. And his purpose was to cover all the vital organs. Well, believers' breastplate, our breastplate of righteousness, is Christ himself. Jehovah Sidkin. The Lord, our righteousness. This this breastplate of righteousness is not something that we produce. It's not something that we make up. It's Christ. We can only stand before God accepted in Christ. Christ being our righteousness. And if Christ is our righteousness, we have a perfect breastplate. Nothing can penetrate it. Nothing can... Now, if I got to produce it myself... Brady, it's gonna be full of holes. It's gonna be easy. I mean, just it's gonna. I'm gonna be shot up in no time. If just full of holes. But if Christ is is my breastplate, if Christ is my righteousness, I'm perfect, perfect. And this breastplate of Christ that we're talking about, it's whole. It's a whole lot better than the body armor. Like today, we probably call this, I guess, body armor. It's a whole lot better than body armor that we give our soldiers today. The breastplate of Christ's righteousness protects us without and within. It does both. Imputed righteousness. That's the breastplate that protects us from from divine wrath, from without. And imparted righteousness. Righteousness put in us. A new righteous nature. That protects us from the old man attacking us from within. It's a perfect breastplate, protects us without and within. Now, Paul says, take that and put it on. Wrap yourself in Christ. It's the only way you can have life. He goes on in in verse uh, 15. He says, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, it's very important for soldiers to have good shoes. They make, they just do, they do their best to make sure soldiers have good shoes. Because an army moves on its feet, that's how it moves. Now, believer, we need good shoes to protect ourselves against the traps that Satan lays for us. You know, ancient armies, if if they were uh, defending an area or they were, you know, withdrawing and trying to defend an area, what they do is they put traps all in the road and in the in the way, sharp sticks sticking up, and trying to hurt the feet of the army chasing them. And so, so they couldn't uh, keep marching. Well, the believer needs good shoes to protect our feet, to protect our walk, to keep us from follow to keep us following Christ. And the only thing that'll protect our feet is the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace enables us to stand firm on a foundation of faith in Christ. And believer needs good shoes because we got a long way to go. We got a long way to go. The Lord tells us, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, if we're going to go into all the world, we got a long way to go, don't we? We need, we need good shoes. We need, need good shoes to walk the believer's walk. You know, the, the second half of this epistle that Paul writes here largely given over to instructing us in the believer's walk. Well, how are we not going to stumble? Into all these, into all these temptations. How are we going to not, how are we going to not stumble and keep following after Christ? It's the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. The believers have a, a race to run. And I'm telling you, it's a long race. It's a long race. Sam, when you were running, how many pairs of shoes did you go through in a season? <laughs> I mean, you go, and you kept getting new ones, didn't you? You had good shoes. The writer to the Hebrews talks about running with patience. The race that's set before us. You don't need much patience to run a hundred yard dash, but you need a lot of patience to run a marathon. You need good shoes. It's a long way to go. And i tell you the shoes that the Lord provides. This gospel of peace. They're like the shoes that the children of Israel wore in the wilderness. You know the Those Israelites who left the wilderness, 40 years there in the wilderness, their shoes never wore out. This gospel of peace is just like that. It'll never wear out. It'll always be what you need. It'll never make your feet hurt. It's the gospel of peace. It won't make you hurt. It'll never make your feet swell. You'll never want to take them off. It's the gospel of peace. Then in verse 16, Paul says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, this, Paul says, is above all. Most importantly, take the shield of faith. How important is faith in Christ? There's no salvation without it. There's no life without it. There's no forgiveness without it. There's no righteousness without it. There's nothing from God without faith in Christ. And Paul says he describes faith here as a shield that you hold up in front of you, a shield. And we need to use it because Satan's casting a lot of fiery darts at us. Darts that are, that are burning. I, when I was a kid, I used to, used to love Westerns. And you see, you know, the Indians, they'd light their arrows on fire and shoot them, you know, and just, man, everything gets on fire. This seems like the most dangerous thing in this world to me, you know. Was terrifying. That's what, what Satan's shooting at God's people. Burning arrows. And our only defense against those flaming arrows is faith. It's faith. First of all, faith in God's word. Look over with me at Romans chapter 4. It's faith in God's word. Look at verse 3 of Romans chapter 4. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now what did Abraham believe? He believed the word of God. He believed what God told him. The promise of God. That God told him. is believing the word. Now look over at verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now if we have faith, you just take this book and believe it. Just believe every word of it. Everything it says, every promise of this book is just as sure as the promise God made Abraham. Now take it and believe it. Don't be turned away from it. Don't let, don't let somebody take this word and twist you and twist it so that you, you know, start trusting your own works and, and your own morality. Take this book and believe it. This book, you know what it does? You know why God gave us this book? To reveal Christ to us. To reveal Christ, the incarnate word. Now believe it. There's faith in God's word and there's faith in Christ. Christ the incarnate word. Believe him. He came to save sinners. Are you a sinner? Then believe him. Trust your soul to him. Trust him to do all of the saving for you. Just trust him to do it all. If Christ did all the saving for you, I'm going to tell you what. You're saved. <laughs> you can't perish. If you trust Christ, you're complete in him and you can never be cast off. That's what the end of Romans 8 is all about. If you trust Christ, if you you can never be cast off. So take the shield of faith, the, the, of faith in Christ. And when Satan fires these fiery darts at you, these burning arrows, that sword or this, uh, excuse me, the shield will put out every last one of them. I thought of a few fiery darts that Satan is known for hurling at God's people. How about the fiery dart of guilt? Satan fires his fiery arrow at you, burning arrow, telling you you're guilty. You've sinned. And you know what? It's easy for him to shoot that arrow at because we are, aren't we? (laughs) We're guilty. I mean, there's not one accusation that Satan can hurl at me I can say, no, I didn't do that. I'm I'm innocent. I'm guilty. Well, then what defense do you have? The shield of faith in Christ. Christ is my innocence. Christ is my righteousness. My obedience before God is Christ. If I'm trusting Christ to be my innocence, that fiery dart... It's going to be put out and fall short. Harmless. Because I'm not guilty in Christ. Then there's this fiery dart, and this, this is a common one. Satan whispers in your ear, you better start living right. You better start living better, or God's going to get you. God's going to punish you. Things aren't going so well, as, cause you, you better start keeping a few laws. Things will start improving, you know. Now, How are you going to defend yourself against that? The shield of faith. I trust Christ. He's the one who already lived perfectly for me. I'm already perfect in him. And my sin, he's already been punished for. You can't charge me with that. You can't tell me start start living better or God's going to get me. God's already punished my substitute. And he's going to accept me, not in what I do but in the person of Christ. I'm trusting him. Now if that's your shield, that burning arrow, be quenched and fall short. won't hurt you. Then here's another one. Satan fires this burning arrow of doubt. Oh, he whispers in your ear, you can't be saved. You can't know Christ. Just look at you. Just look at you. Would somebody trust Christ do that? Huh? Would somebody really trust Christ? Will they be doing what you're doing? Now, how are you going to defend yourself against that? It's the shield of faith in Christ. I'm saved not by looking at myself, but by looking to him. By looking to Christ. And if you're looking to Christ, that burning arrow is going to be quenched. And it's going to fall harmlessly short. See, it's trusting Christ, isn't it? It's all trusting Christ. Then Paul says in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now take the helmet of salvation because a helmet protects your head. It'll protect your head against false doctrine. Now, I spent some time on this verse. I spent some time looking at it and thinking about it. Salvation is a heart work. It's a a work that's done in the heart. It's God-given a new heart. Salvation is heart faith in Christ, not a knowledge of facts about Christ. But the gospel goes to the heart through the head. You can't believe what you don't know. You can't believe what you don't understand. You know, I I try very, very hard to preach simply, to make the point in simple, plain language, plain words, so at least you can understand what I'm saying. It's not my responsibility to make you believe what I'm saying. I can't do it. But it is my responsibility that you understand. That you understand what I'm saying because you can't believe what you don't understand. And here's why we go through the scriptures verse by verse like we do. I want you and me to be taught the scriptures so that we understand what the scriptures say. I want to I believe it. God's got to give me faith to believe it. But I want to understand, I want you to understand what the scripture is saying, and here's why. So some false prophet can't come along and confuse your mind with error. If you know what the scripture says, your head's protected so that you can't be tricked into believing all this, this these horrible lies. This, and I know that there's a lot of false religion, I mean, none of you would fall for that. I don't know why any human being falls for some of it. But some of it mixes in just enough truth. They could deceive you, couldn't they? I don't want us to be deceived, or the way our head won't be deceived is by being taught the scriptures. What do scriptures say? You know the helmet of salvation is Christ. He's the one that protects it, he's our salvation. Our hope of salvation in Christ alone, that's what protects the head. That's the best defense that you can have against all the the religious error that's about you. It's Christ alone. It's Christ alone. It's Christ alone. It's Christ alone. That will protect your mind from believing this false error or this false teaching that tries to add to Christ. Yes, Christ is the Savior of sinners, but you've got to do this. You've got to quit this. If you don't quit this, you're not saved. If you still do this, you're not saved. That's adding to Christ, isn't it? That's adding to Christ. If you know this, salvation is Christ alone. Righteousness is Christ alone. Life is Christ alone. If somebody trying to add something to Christ, you won't be deceived by that, will you? Your head won't be turned away. From Christ. If you're trusting him alone. And then Paul says take the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. We look over Hebrews. Chapter four. The writer to the Hebrews. Gives us a, a little explanation. About this sword. The word of God. Hebrews four. And verse twelve. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now the word of God is a sword that's got two sharp edges. There's no blunt side to it. That means you can't come in contact with the word of God and leave unaffected. we We, by God's grace, we preach God's word. We teach God's word. We make so much of the word, teaching it verse by verse by verse. Every Sunday and every Wednesday, this is heavy on my heart. I don't want you to leave unaffected. These two sharp sides of this sword, it's the law and the gospel. One side wounds and kills and the other side heals. It's the sword of the word that convicts of sin in it. I mean, just cuts right to the heart. Cuts out that self-righteousness, kills human pride. And at the same time, that sword heals and gives life and comforts it. See, Christ is the incarnate word. He's the sword. Remember when Satan came to attack him? What was the Lord's weapon when Satan came to attack him? Satan took the scriptures and, and put a twist on him, didn't he? And the Lord said, "It's written, it's written, it's." Written. He used the word as his defense. So I tell you, make much of God's word. Make much of it. Read it yourself. Go home and read it after after a lesson or after a message. Go home and read the text again. Read it again. Read. Read God's Word. And I like Brother Tom Harding said this years and years ago. He said, he said, don't read, you know, a chapter, two chapters or three chapters, you know, trying to get through the Bible in a year. Tom said, try reading a verse and asking God, show me what that means. Would you show me what that means? Make much of it. Because this Word is our only offensive weapon. Every other weapon Paul mentioned here is a defensive weapon. and our only offensive weapon. When Lord told us go into all the world and preach Christ, how are we going to go out and conquer the world, conquer God's people, and bring them to Christ? The sword of the word. It's our only offensive weapon. Now take this and be, become well acquainted with it. It'll protect you. It'll protect your mind. Now I'm out of time. So next next week. Uh, the Lord willing, we'll look at, at this matter of prayer. Prayer is an important part of uh, of our armor. And uh, Lord willing, we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time on that next week, all right? Hope the Lord blesses that to you.